So here we are, yeah, here we are again. And really, the, as a, we come into this last day of the retreat, the last afternoon for many of you of this particular form of collection, you know, there can, in a way, instinctively, the chitta, the mind, the heart, tension starts turning outward. In a way, we start just naturally surfacing. <coughs> and this is wholesome. Yeah, to, as we come to the end, to start really considering you know, how do we meet the world? How do we meet, we stay, we're meeting the world here and we're meeting what we think of as outside or other. And how do we soften that distinction? Yeah. Particularly if you know, where we go out to is it's complex, yeah. Not many, many energies are running. You know. How do you, how do I stay how do I stay upright and here? And I thought, you know, since we're talking about this earlier today, this sense of, you know, what what for my part I'm offering is it's not something you don't know, but really resonating with your own understanding, share. You know, like the questions and responses, each of you would have had meaningful and helpful things to have said, yeah, but you only get a couple of voices. We're speaking from our our cultivation and experience, but it their perspectives here. So how do each of us, you know, meet meet the world, meet what comes next, stay uprighted in these paths that have love, yeah, compassion, appreciation, and this equanimity, this this not asking the world to be different. And even that statement, you know, we have to pick them up carefully, don't we? Because this equanimity is not agreement. It's coming out of conflict. So the heart is true and upright enough that right response happens. That things can be happening what seem to be outside that bring impact here and you go, oh, actually something needs attending to. So to be able to come here into what is most precious and then bring forth response that's attuned. That's our work really, isn't it? It's not not meditation as an abdication of responsibility for our place in the world. We're in this great stream of life yeah. so we have to serve it to serve life we have to serve the Dhamma yeah. and how to do that and many of you will be aware of a sutta that's often referred to when people are teaching particularly in these times of transition and it's a sutta in the Udana which is a smaller collection 4.1 or 4.2 uh, a sutta given 
to Megia or titled Megia. And I often bring it in when I'm thinking about for myself about practice. So then, of course, I often refer to it if I'm talking about practice. And it's, it's actually really helpful. And it's helpful because it has this really helpful little story and setting in it, but it also has this helpful line in it. You know, when a heart's deliverance is not yet ripe, what is conducive to its ripening? So the sense that actually we're talking about a, a process of becoming ripe and ready, ready to really let go. And what supports us in that? What is this process? How do we stay aligned to it? And in the sutta, you get a sense of the Buddha's um, sense of humour as well. Yeah. So chase it up if you can, if you'd like to. If you don't already have it, know it. Yeah. So so little it's set in a little story where. The Buddha, you know, who was travelling, was travelling with this attendant, Megia. And, you know, fortunate to be Megia, eh? There you are with the Buddha. Anyway, as they're going along, Megia sees a place that he thinks is really good for meditation. And he, you know, he goes to the Buddha and says, you know, Lord, can I please go and practice there? And the Buddha says, well, Actually, it's not a suitable time. You know, there is no other attendant here. Wait till someone else comes along. And uh, Maggie pushes this point and says, well, it's all right for you. You know, you're already fully awake and I've got things to do. And anyway, the, in the sutras, it's always if the Buddha's asked three times, he kind of says, well, you do as you see fit. Yeah. So Maggie hasn't been listening. So Maggie goes off, sits in the forest, whole mind is assailed with hindrances, yeah? Ill will, sleepiness, everything, yeah? He has this awful afternoon in the forest in this place he thought was good and comes back to the Lord and says, well, really, it's, mar- it's wonderful, it's marvellous that here was I with this aspiration and this is what happened, yeah? And then the Buddha gives us this, this really valuable teaching, you know, and I don't know about you, but I, I go, oh, Maggie, oh, Maggie. There were you with the awakened heart and you thought it was somewhere else. Yeah. No. And it, it's just a reminder to me how we can, we can really lose track. Yeah, we can go searching somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Maggie didn't see what was right in front of him. All right, well, even there you are with the Buddha right beside you and you can miss the point, yeah? And you can, your kind of selfishness for this practice can mean that even when you're asked to be a servant, to take care of, to support the teaching, you can have your own agenda, yeah? Yeah, Okay, yeah, so let us take care. Let's not miss the point. Yeah. So this teaching the Buddha gives, yeah, and he says, Well, Megia, the first thing 
that helps if the heart's deliverance is not ripe is good friends. And this is really powerful, isn't it? Because Maggie was there with this really good friend and he missed it. And for ourselves and our practice to really establish the sense of connection. What are good friends? And I know Ajahn Satito said he really outlined this in the morning, the qualities of a good friend. I said I don't want to repeat things, but just that sense of, well, what is a good friend? And where do I find them? How do I recognise them? Yeah. And it can be, we just can have really simple metrics. A good friend who keeps me aligned with what is precious to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who's respectful and shows care, connection, yeah, these things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And our families are often really good friends. They're, they're providing love, they're uprighting us in love and connectedness. And our Dhamma brothers and sisters are important friends, aren't they? The the community to which we belong that are communities of love and heart cultivation. And they can look like all kinds of things, yeah? It's to check the quality that they bring forth, yeah. It may be craft circle you sit with them. It may be the folks you go kayaking with. But they'll have this quality of being ethical and generous and keeping us aligned with what we value. So it's not that it has to be narrow. So this this is quality to have good friends and and know that sense, you know, often this whole discourse is within the teaching about friends, but you know to be a good friend with oneself. Not harsh, not critical, to be caring, careful, yeah. And in the Metta Sutta, you know, you get this sense. So there are different ways the Metta Sutta is translated. And the the sense of that sense of protecting as a mother protects with her life, her only child. Now, it's often translated as a relationship with other beings. Some translations translate it as a relationship with love itself, that we really protect the cultivation and the love of the heart. That we're not negligent, neglectful, ignoring, yeah. That we're we're really keeping company with what is good. So it I find it helpful to recognise it externally, yeah in other beings and to really recognise it internally if I'm, you know, in that dichotomy. So good friends. 
Yeah, and what what the value of good friends is they support us in being aligned with what is ethical, what is kind, what is generous, yeah? And then from there you get you're just getting this whole flow, yeah, that you know, when we're with good friends who support that, then the the talk and discussion is about things that support the heart. Talk on cultivation, talk on goodness. Yeah. So it's like now we're in a field that is keeping us aligned. And from that, you get the sense of being able to really um, put forth energy. Yeah. And as I was saying right at the beginning, there's this energy to really put down what is unhelpful, to pick up what is helpful, is so important in this cultivation. This is really how we protect and take care of the heart. So we're getting we're getting this flow, just as we do when we look at the indriya. You know, you get from faith, goodness, these qualities, skillful energy arises. It's really committed to to things that bring love, connection, harmony. So just to really feel it, the kind of fruiting that starts to happen. And from that, the the kind of stability of mind, the penetrative understanding of how things come and fall away arises. So we really get the primary insight that starts to free the heart up. Because, as it says in this sutta, it says in many places, if we really attend to the sign, the sign of conditioned things, they're they're arising, they're ceasing. The fact that they're actually process driven by conditions, things start to loosen and free up. All kinds of afflicted things are no longer afflictive. We get more resonance and compassion for beings. Yeah, we go, okay. Given everything, how could it be different? Yeah. Now, what is needed? Let me bring skillful conditions into what is afflictive. Yeah. So a nature, yeah. Mm. The sense of process of things that come according to conditions and fall away. And it loosens up the kind of tightness of me. Yeah, because you remember well, this sense of me is really dependent on what what I'm in contact with. It's not some static fixed thing. Yeah. No. I see the birds outside, the tui, a, a kind of quality arises in the heart. Is that me? Or does it belong to the tui? Yeah. Or am I in some kind of relationship of response? Yeah. And, yeah. and it is a relationship because the tui sings to me. Yeah. And this tui 
because there's one predominant one that lives here, sings to me and particularly sings a particular song when it needs more nectar. Yeah. It's winter and I'm feeding it. Yeah. So we're actually in a relationship together. Yeah. We're not separate beings. My The joy here that I feel when I hear this treasure yeah, is not it's not separate. So the the seeing process and seeing conditionality really starts to soften the edginess of the mind. Where do the Tui and I begin and end? Yeah. Is it some completely other being? Yeah. We we even know, I mean, the two is breathing, you know. So some of the air here, the two has breathed, yeah. And we're sharing breath, we're sharing life, we're sharing vitality. And so with this beautiful bird, so with everything. Yeah. So we, you know, this teaching to Maggie, yeah, it's really a teaching on the power of connection, a power of connection with what is loving and kind, what is upright and generous. And it's to really feel it here so we take it as a protection wherever we go. Whatever is happening, whoever we're with, because yeah. beings are complex, particularly human beings, yeah. And when I meet someone, can I be attuning to their goodness? Yeah. So the good friend in me is meeting the good friend in them. And I'm not saying not to be also discriminative, yeah. Some things are suitable, some things aren't. That's where the right effort is. But so often, where the problem is, and it's not in in the kind of other, it's in the relationship to it, yeah? So this is often where our work needs to be. And that's why the Brahma Vihar are so important. Yeah? So the Buddha, you know, compassionately says to Magya, yeah, when a heart's deliverance is not ripe, these five things conduce to its ripening. And he goes on to talk about some other cultivations that really help, like that of loving kindness, yeah? ways of the different kind of medicines, the different kind of afflicted states that can arise. Yeah. You know, this Maggie is good friend the Buddha, yeah. We're giving talk that's conducive for him, that supports his right energy, you know, really clarity about where attention should be, what should be picked up, what should be cultivated, what should be attuned to. Mm. And I think it's it's kind of I see the Buddha being really funny with it. So he doesn't really say, 
maybe you were foolish, yeah. He just, in a way, points if Maggie takes it into what actually happened. Maggie's yeah. mm-hmm. heart didn't have enough stability and understanding to maintain connection with the good by himself. Mm-hmm. So he needed a friend, a good friend, to stay orientated. And that's what we can offer each other, isn't it? On this retreat, we're together, we kind of keep ourselves orientated that, yeah, this is worth doing. It's not easy, is it? Particularly online. I've certainly found it a challenge myself. But we're we're here, committed. And to really take that hereness and that commitment into whatever happens next. So we're not we don't move as we don't move from one sitting to standing and just drop everything. We take it that that reflectiveness, this uprightness of mind, this quality with us. So we're always here. Yeah, we're not abandoning what is most important. Mm. And to get more and more established in the heart, because the heart's actually edgeless, so that that sense of self and other can really just soften into something entirely different. Mm. So it's less painful. Yeah, conventionally, I'm sitting there, you're sitting there, but actually we're in this response with each other. And it's, I don't know how it's felt there, but it's amazing sitting here, yeah, even with a screen at the beginning. I thought, well, this is certainly weird, yeah. But... Somehow I can feel you. I don't feel like I'm in this practice place alone. And I imagine it's the same for yourselves because the heart is so mysterious. It's not a kind of box. It has this tremendous resonant capacity and what is also kind of fascinating about these kind of incarnations we're in that our bodies remember and we can attune we can attune to the body's understanding of what it's like to be in a field practice. We can evoke that through recollection or just through coming deeply inward into the field of Dhamma. So sometimes everything contracts and we feel alone. Yeah. Because somehow separated out. 
but it's not the truth. It's it's not even possible. So the more we we feel our connection, the more we really stay realizing, hey, and heart's deliverance is not right. Good friends. And really put that as something to really make much of. Yeah. Good friend to oneself, good friend to others, yeah. And let the process flow from there. Because this whole teaching of the Buddha is about these, the awakening process that we start to establish the conditions for the heart to let go. And he frames the conditions up in different ways that work with the different kind of minds and conditioning. Yeah. But they're all actually, this, in a way, there's, they're different inflections of the same process. So to feel your flow in that, how do you come in to the flow of Dhamma, the flow of letting go? Here we're kind of lucky. We live in this really beautiful place, this beautiful country. Most Kiwis spend a lot of time in nature. So it's really interesting when people first come to meditation. They have such a reference to that attunement. The bodies come out of stress, come into a kind of flow with the natural world. And you realize, oh, this is really helpful. So being at the ocean, looking up at the sky at night, these things, these experiences that release us out of crampedness. But wherever we are, we can we can attune to what supports that. I've lost the name of the woman, but who was imprisoned in the Second World War, and she said she was all right because through her window she had a little patch of sky, and that kept her attuned. Yeah. It's not that I need the whole vast cosmos visible. I just need to feel my thread of connection. Yeah. Carol's kindly put the name through. Yeah. So it's Etty Hellison. Yeah. For those of you that are interested. Yeah. So to to often, often it's not that. Conditions have to be super wonderful. We have to have big things set up. It's about attuning to what is here that gives us access, helps us remember. The cat that comes and sits down beside you, drawn by your warmth. Yeah. Myriad ways we see this connectedness. So, as we, we will have a time of 
practice, coming, going, sitting, but just to really start to notice this process that can be, feel like coming out a little bit and what you want to take with you. What's what's helpful to keep aligned? Okay, so thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.